We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Hey everyone, Dr. Jones here with the second half of my podcast episode with John Whalen. Now, I could read his biography again, but I'm not going to do that here because I'm going to invite you to go back to the other episode, the first part of this, and have a listen to it if you haven't already. If you have already, well, then you quite simply know that John knows where he's coming from. He's got a lot of different perspectives. And currently, you know, he's part of a company that helps provide resources for teachers and leaders to build culture, to quote him, one brick at a time. And, you know, like this episode's titled, John goes into the ideas of intentionality, consistency, and respect, and all of those in much greater detail. And at the end of the episode, he also talks about restorative practices and how to make those actually take root in your school and improve the overall culture. Look, there's a ton of information in this second half, which is why we broke it into two. And I just want want to get it going so you can learn from it and improve your current situation. So we're going to jump in right now. Being intentional is, is huge uh, in, in creating school to be, you know, a place where teachers are available. I think we're hearing it a lot the last year or two that, you know, I think we've, we've definitely, you know, I was a teacher not long ago myself that I, I think that the teachers have, there's, you know, part of it where they've been so overwhelmed and so much put on their plate that I think a lot of culture and society is, is forgotten about how, uh, important, but how how challenging our jobs are, and I think uh, it's important that we take care of our, our teachers right now. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. When I'm thinking about this, I I hear I hear three things that come out a lot when you're talking about this, and, and they're the idea of intentional, consistent, and respect you had mentioned earlier. And those three, those three components are so key to building a good culture in a school. And I, I know that culture and climate's important to you. And knowing that, knowing that's something you're passionate about, you've talked about these. What should school look like for students and teachers? Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of it could be interchanged. Yeah, you, know, you know, whether it's 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 the as a leader, especially, it's what can I do to, you know, help tend to or or 
you know, I'm trying thinking of like my soil out back, like how could I, you know, create this playing field for my teachers and students that they want to show up to, uh, you know, each day. And, and, and I love those three words you shared, you know, that intentional, consistent and respect. And I think uh, from, from a, a leadership lens, you know, for, for my, for the educators I worked for, you know, in my building, it was being intentional on a number of things. It's being intentional in, in continuing to build that relationship with that person, getting to know them. Uh, and that's not just, you know, not just dealing with school issues, but also you're just taking some time. Hey, how's everything going? You know, I was, uh, you try to learn a bit about, the, uh, about them. I, I mean, I really felt it. At the, at the TRA where I was the last three years that, you know, I may have had some staff that didn't agree with, you know, everything philosophically that I believed in and I respect that greatly, but I, I really felt that we had some great relationships that, you know, even if we had a lot of different opinions on things that, that I always had great relationships with, with staff. And it was because I, I took, and I know they took too, the time to just get to know each other and, you know, and, and, you know, learn about each other and learn what's important to me and you know, what's important to you. I want to know about, you know, your families. I want to, you know, if you're willing to share it or, you know, just uh, if you're a Bills fan or, or a Giants fan or, or hopefully not a Cowboys fan, you know, things like that. Uh, but, but those are just fun things to do to get to talk to people so that you get comfortable around each other so that when, when, you know, difficult conversations or uh, challenging conversations or, or challenges, you know, like, Hey, I need some ideas. I need some thoughts or I need some help. Uh, I think it's a lot, it's a lot more uh, of a, a path you can walk down if you have those built. So I think being intentional is, is, is huge uh, in, in creating school to be, you know, a place where teachers are valued. I think we're hearing it a lot the last year or two that, you know, I think we've, we've definitely, you know, as a teacher not long ago myself, that I, I think that the teachers of there's, you know, part of it where they've been so overwhelmed and so much put on their plate that I think a lot of culture and society is, is forgotten about how uh, important, but how, how challenging, our jobs are. And I think uh, it's important that we take care of our, our teachers right now. Uh, you know, a lot of times it begins by, by listening, by being intentional to listen, uh, being intentional and creating times for them to, to connect and, and not overwhelm each other with all these things that are going on. Uh, even though, even if they are pressing, you know, sometimes you gotta, you know, take a break on it and, and take some time to come together because again, you come together, I think you're going to be more impactful in the work you do together. Uh, and that intentional idea feeds right down to being consistent. You know, consistent is, you know, someone that's, you know what you're going to get from me each day as a leader. You know that I'm approachable, that I'm, you know, 99% of the situations we can sit down and figure out a solution for, you know, together, hopefully more than 99%. And then, uh, you know, again, the respect is the key at the end of the day. It's, uh, yeah, I hope that they they respect that, you know, the efforts I'm putting in or to, to build, to, to try to build the best school we can build. You know, is, is that principle there that, you know, that, that's my my dedication, but also knowing, too, that that's what they're doing. Um, and even if we don't see eye to eye, it's just sometimes a misunderstanding. It's not that somebody's dropping the ball or somebody's not doing their job. So it's it's building those relationships. And then with kids, I think it's, it's the same idea. It's it, I think those teachers that are, are dynamic, those educators that are dynamic. Uh, and again, I love these three words you used because it's something that Doug and I have talked a lot about this year. It's, I mean, relationship building is huge, right? But if you just focus on relationship building and that's your only strength, I find those teachers have a very difficult time too because they have a hard time with the consistency side of you know um, of being that facilitator, that lead of the classroom, you know, to get the get the ball moving each day. So I, I think that again, intentional on and connecting, but also intentional on your consistency, especially right now, that beginning of the year of, of just taking that time to t- to teach and reteach and reteach and reteach again expectations 
to be patient, to uh, be consistent in how you address situations. It took me about eight years to figure out as a teacher. You know, it took me a long time to grow up. And once I did, I figured out how impactful it was. And so, you know, again, that consistency in working with our kids who are, you know, trying to figure a lot out, not just their math or their behavior. But I mean, I, th- I really believe our kids right now are more challenged than any kids in this country's history with everything in their in their hands right now and their on their fingertips, you know, having the whole world there. So that consistency. And, and I think that you'll find that if you're taking the time to to get to know your kids, but also teaching consistency, which is often also, you know, high expectations and, um, uh, in, in, in having, you know, just being consistent in who you are and, and the kids, you know, feel safe around you, that respect happens. Uh, I, I learned that, you know, I was raised to respect my elders. I mean, that's how my father taught me. And if you didn't, then you had to deal with that, right? But I, I've learned that I just had to kind of flip the idea a little bit. And it was a challenge at first, but when working with kids, uh, especially your middle and high school kids, you know, who are just trying to navigate everything, is if, if I find a way for them from them to respect me, you know, to where I can earn their respect, it goes way further than than doing it the other way around. Right? You know, I expect this from you. Uh, it doesn't mean that you can't be like that at times, but if you just use that lens of, well, what you know, what type of a model or a role model or a you know, a, a teaching is one of the great role model jobs you can have. Like, how can I model, you know, being a, a good person and a, and a teacher to these kids, not just in academics but in life, and so. Uh, all those work together, and I know my questions all over the place. And somewhere in there, there's a lot of dots that connected. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I think that's what school needs to look like. And I think school is going to change quite a bit. I think we're already seeing it. I don't think COVID was the reason why, but I think COVID has accelerated it. Uh, I think a lot has to do with digital media right now, and, and um, that's something Doug and I are really paying attention to, doing a lot of research on. Is uh, you know just kids have the whole world in their, in their hands. And it's, I mean, these are created to hook you. I mean, I'm hooked on my phone I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah. way too much. And, uh, and, and the whole idea is how do we, how do we engage our kids as educators now? And, and that's a whole different approach. Not, all, not fully, but I guess I think our challenge moving forward in, in, I think these three words are still the answers that intentionality and consistency and respect. But I think moving forward, it's going to be a, a very different route we're going to have to take in order to get kids interested and excited uh, about being in school and learning as educators. You know, it's interesting that you said the whole idea, get them to engage when we're talking about the phone. And it's so important that we, we engage them instead of entertain them. And, you know, that, that phone, while as powerful a device it is, as useful as a device it is, it's also built on entertainment. I mean, these companies hire psychologists because they know what's going to get you to look at mm-hmm. and what's going to distract you. And before you know it, you're down a rabbit hole. So it's really important that education stays with engagement rather than entertainment. And I was, I was really, I was really happy. I, I'm, I always announce myself as the proud principal of my high school because I, I just really am so proud of my staff. I was really proud of the idea of what we did with cell phones this year because education is like an oil tanker. And it turns, but it, boy, it takes a long time to turn and it needed to turn. And COVID was a massive wave that kind of tipped its nose the other way and got it well on its way to turning. Mm -hmm. And you can either lean into it or you can fight against it. And some districts are fighting against it, trying to get back to the way things were. Newsflash, things are never going to be the way they were and they shouldn't be the way they were. But what we did was in response to the cell phone issue, because there were a lot of issues, right, with attendance, students not attending school and then coming back, they didn't want to come back. They're used to using their phone whenever they wanted to, taking breaks whenever they wanted to. 
a lot of schools went the opposite way, pushed the pendulum all the other way and just outlawed phones in school, period. They have to be off, they have to be away, they have to be in bags, or you can't bring them in or you get an instant consequence. So my school decided to take the other route with Mm -hmm. this and we haven't outlawed them. But the teachers instead, respectfully, talked to the students and said, look, when you're in the classroom, your cell phones need to be away. If I tell you you can use them, you can use them. And we have noticed a sharp decline in cell phone usage. We haven't had a problem with cell phones at all. And the teachers are very consistent and they're intentionally consistent about it. And they're intentionally being respectful about it, realizing the grip that these cell phones have on students. Mm-hmm. And it's worked. And so I'm I'm proud of them because they've done it this way instead of just, you know, slam the hammer down back to the old way. We need to gain control. Do you think, you know, your high school, in, in, you know, my, my career as a principal and most of my career has been at the middle school level and the building I was in the last three years was fourth to eighth grade. And, and so you really see an interesting, um, you know, a, a spectrum or whatever you want to call it from fourth to eighth, you know, totally different worlds. But I, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see, because I don't know if there's an answer to this, but, you know, is it, do you have a, a, a better opportunity with, with older students to, to create an environment like that versus, you know, maybe, you know, adolescents and, and preteens, uh, you know, and as, as a father of a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old, um, and thankfully they're supposedly, I think, great with them at school. Uh, I see them at home. <laughs> they're as bad as I am. I mean, you know, I'm yeah. not modeling great either, but do you, I, I, I'd be curious to hear your input on that. Like, uh, I mean, I, I, we, so in our, with our sixth to eighth graders last year, uh, two years ago, we, we played with the idea of letting the eighth graders use them during the cafeteria time, which in, in hindsight, there was a lot of issues that came from it. Um, a lot of eighth grade behavior really with it. Um, you know, uh, stuff I might've done in eighth, you know, prank phone calls to you right. know, like a lot of, but you know, there's also that, that component of, uh, you know, where kids can be harassed or bullied and it's, it's a, it's a silent way in a sense, like you're not seeing it or hearing it, you know, in the rooms, you know, over, over the Wi-Fi happening. And so uh, we went last year with the idea of that, you know, if it's out, you know, especially in the classroom that you, you got to put it on the teacher's desk and, uh, or it ends up in my office and, and they get it back at the end of the day, unless it's you know such a, uh, you know, a daily issue. And there were a few students where it was a huge challenge, but I, I didn't, I don't feel like I, I found a, an answer to it over the two years. I, I think it's, I would love to have the opportunity that, that you've had, but I've also talked to many leaders, you know, around the area. And, and it seems like and I saw a ton of articles on it leading into the school year about this, this real sharp turn to zero tolerance, basically of having phones. And, and part of me agrees with that, you know, and part of me, is like what you were saying is how do how do we embrace this in a sense that this is this is going to be life moving forward uh you know how can we teach kids to use this as a tool to to learn and and research versus that distraction piece and that's uh, you know i think that's a a really interesting conversation you just and and this might be a whole other show but you just you just hit where i'm at with it when you people can't see but when you held up your phone and said use it as a tool So what's more productive for us to address the tool or address the behavior that's using the tool? Mm. And I think if we address the behavior, then it it can actually be a tool. And, you know, it's funny. I think back to with my two boys and, you know, good for you with the 12 and 14 year old. I've got a 13 and 15 year old. Um, Right there. Yeah. Yeah. 
I remember doing things with them when they were much younger with my tools. And, you know, I'm working on something. They, they want to come over and help dad. And um, we would have that conversation as the one started to think, you know, like the tape measures, the neatest thing to snap out and snap back and, you know, play around with the hammer or put their fingers in the pliers. You get the yep. picture. And we would have that conversation with, is it a tool or is it a toy? And I just taught them from very early on that it's it's a tool. It's not a toy. So you don't use it as a toy. And there are things that are toys that are meant to be used that way. If we get students to the point where they realize the phone is both, so it's a gray area, but in school, it's a tool. If you want to take a picture of the agenda on the board, if you want to log into Google Classroom to check something, you know, if you need to send somebody something that you have living on your phone that you couldn't print or whatever, which we, to be honest, we've taken away a lot of that because we've moved to one-to-one and we've got Chromebooks. So they don't really need their phones for those things. But if you let them have it as the toy outside of school, because we're not in the business of controlling behaviors outside of school, and begin to teach them the idea that there are many gray things in life that are both tools and toys, are both good and bad, depending on moderation and all that, then they're really learning to be responsible. And if they learn that different areas require a different level of respect or behavior, the educational environment requires a different level of respect across the spectrum, whether you're talking about language you use, music you listen to, whether you have your cell phone out, how you dress, anything like that. If you address that behavior instead of trying to ratchet down on the outcome, you can fix it instead of put Band-Aids on it. Because, I mean, you we'll be stepping and fetching forever trying to keep up yep. with the next sneaky social media thing where kids can do things on it's so it's the idea that we have to we have to teach and reinforce the positive behaviors that occur so that they they don't do those other things it's that idea of uh, efficient versus effective oh that yeah. there you go yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it's funny you you were just explaining that in my math class you know teaching 6th grade Every year we get the rulers out, you know, to, to do area on grid paper or on graph paper. I always found it was a fun way to introduce it. Uh, you know, just draw some rectangles and triangles even and try to figure out the formulas. But you know, they had the holes in them, the plastic ones. And in the first year, it was every kid had the helicopter going half the lesson. And <laughs> I, I spoke about it to my colleague. I said, you know, the kids were just, you know, they just were having too much fun with the rulers. And, and he said, here's what I do every year with the rulers. He goes, when I first hand them out, I give them three minutes to spin them as much as they want and then explain it. And, and I did that and it like fixed it fully, like for the yeah. next 10 years, didn't have any. So it's interesting. It's that idea of teaching. You know, that same idea goes with discipline, really, if you think about it, yeah. you know, when it comes to, you know, the majority of mistakes that happen in school or, or conflicts or, or issues, you know, instead of, you know, I think you, the words you used were, um, where are we here? You wrote the, or the, it was, you know, you said something, it was almost like the one I just said, efficient versus effective, but it's, um, you know, whether we're going to teach it to be a tool or a toy, it's, it's a similar concept of when I take a, a behavioral issue, am I going to try to address it with a consequence only, or am I going to try and build in some type of teaching or accountability or work together? And it's, uh, it's a lot easier to just throw the consequence at it. And sometimes you have to do that as well, but it's, uh, you know, if, if you go with both approaches, many of the times they you get that learning and that and that growth from it. And, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting idea with a lot of things, really, that you know, looking at it is, you know, efficient versus effective. Yeah, it, it, it really comes down to, do you want to fix it or just make it go away? Right. If you want to just make it go away, just toss the consequence. 
you know, shuffle the papers mm-hmm. and move along and make the phone call. If you want to fix it, you do the mm-hmm. learning part, you do the teaching part where you, where you actually make it a meaningful thing. But, yeah. No, agree fully. Yeah. That's uh, was a, you know, and I think it's always something that I, whenever there was a conflict or confrontation or some type of disciplinary issue, you almost always try to look through it with that lens. Now there are times where, yeah, you have to use a, a consequence right away or um, see if that works. But, you know, often you got to really think about, you know, what, what's a, what, what's this, you know, how, what do I want to teach the student? It says, you know, I, I'm going from a math teacher now to a, a life teacher in a sense. It's, you know, how can I get the student to reflect on what happened and, and begin to take accountability for it? And then from there, how can I facilitate or help the people involved come together to find a way to solve it? And, which is unique to that situation. You know, it might be very different than how the next two people handle it. Right. It's right. Uh, you know, a lot of interesting ideas that, you know, come together. That's a big, big side of restorative, really. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, that's, you know, when, with the conflict and confrontation side. And, and that's where it gets a bad name too, because it's, it's hard to do. And, and so when people bring in like a restorative approach to discipline and accountability, it's, you learn all these great strategies, but then you don't have the time or the resources to, to, uh, you know, be able to see a lot of the fruits of going that way. Uh, and, and I think it, if you kind of look at it as a whole, like if you take the time to build that culture and climate with connecting, you know, on a daily basis, but then deeper in circles, and like in, with Ed tomorrow, we call that the foundations. Like those are your two first foundations or community. It's the first five every day. And then circles is like a deeper dive into getting to know each other. Our next two, I have to do with, uh, with approaches to accountability and discipline. It's, it's how do we get kids to uh, experience, you know, self-reflection with the goal of understanding how accountability works. And then once they can, you know, feel our voice or we can see that they are on a path to accountability, what are some of the structures we can show them and, and uh, that they can use or we can use to begin to, to either solve the problem or repair the harm that's done and, there's a lot of cool strategies for that too. Cool. Well, but I think the big uh, issue is a lot of schools look at that first. Yeah. They say, oh, how do we fix our discipline? How do we fix, uh, you know, our, our numbers are through the roof, our suspensions are through the roof, or we've been, you know, uh, we've been flagged by the state, you know, for having disproportionate rates or, uh, you know, in any area. And, and they look to, whether they bring in any approach, they look to fix the behavior. So it's a cool idea. What you're, they look to, how do we fix that behavior instead of how do we fix the whole you know, the whole environment so that those behaviors, they're going to happen regardless. That's uh, it's life. But if we can create those client, that culture and climate where we can handle those situations, a lot of times in our own classroom or in our offices and they buy into us and they know they, they've gotten to know us, they have a great opportunity to, to solve them. But I, but I, what I found is schools that invest in the idea of focusing on the community side, the, you know, the culture and climate side proactively see authentic drops, not overnight, but you know, right. over, you know, a gradual drop, that brick by brick idea. Yeah, because that's not how things are done here. When you see that right. bad behavior, it's you know, and it's I've I've seen a couple of students talking to other students actually, where they say, "Hey, we don't we don't act like that here." Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing more powerful than a student saying that to another student. So I mean, that's because, that's huge. I mean, because know. I'm I'm old, and you know, I I I was uh, I I never went through high school or anything, according to these students. So. But uh, I, I, my kids always thought and when I was the principal the last three years that, you know, I might have been plugged into the, you know, into the computer room at night and they'll plug me in the morning and you know, <laughs> yeah. I am the principal. <laughs> Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. 
You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. Hey, um, you know, I, I could talk to you all day long, John, but, you know, we're getting to the end of this. And there's two questions I ask everybody that appears yeah. on this podcast. The first one is, and now you've had many different roles, so this this one might be a little one of those great things again. Uh, the question I always ask is, if you were not a leader, a teacher, um, or in education, who, not what would you be? You know, I my dream as a kid was to be the starting catcher for the New York Mets. I was a huge Gary Carter fan. It didn't pan out. Uh, I didn't not, get much for huh? Little League. I, you know, if I if I really think about it, there were a couple of areas I was really interested in as, as a uh, you know community college student way back in 95, 96. I was interested in being a journalist. I was really interested in writing. I love music. You know, I in the pie in the sky, I wanted to write for Rolling Stone or, you know, write. I just enjoyed writing on current events. Uh, the other thing I, I enjoyed is computers. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily a programmer, but I enjoy like the application side of computers. Uh, I, I love data. I love uh, if there was a field out there where I could, you know, be somebody that really disaggregates and interprets data in, you know, in, in different ways. I find that to be really interesting. Uh, or um, I, I think, yeah, it'd be probably somewhere in there or, or, or you know, just something where I'm, I'm working with people. I, I, I'm driven by that. I'm driven by watching people, uh, you know, succeed, uh, you know, overcome hurdles. I'm watching people, you know, be happy and, and I love to be part of that. So it would have to be something still in that lens. And I don't think there's anything even close to being in education that, you know, can, that can offer that opportunity. Agreed. Agreed. So my final question is, you know, we've talked for quite a while here, mm -hmm. but through it all, what's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they serve. I'm just going to take a second here and write those down. I think the, 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 biggest, the biggest piece of advice I mentioned a bit earlier is, I think, you know, it, it, it's trying to understand your path to being a, a, a servant leader. Um, your, your path of, you know, how can you, you know, model leadership to a building full of leaders, you know, as, as, as educators, uh, it, it's it's uh, I think it's done through through support. It's done through support of you know understanding and respecting educators' time uh, in in personnel's time. You know, it's not just your teacher; that's your custodial staff; that's your uh, your, your transportation folks. I mean, it's it's everybody. But trying to to respect and appreciate the time and the effort they put in. It's it's um, it's supporting them on their bad days. We know we have them in, 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 you know, in so many situations, sometimes just shutting the door and letting them cry or letting them vent or, um, 
letting them ask you know difficult questions in a safe spot. I, I think that's super super important. It, you know, it's, it's sometimes a support with you know building opportunities for them to to enjoy their time at school as adults. Uh, to support them in, in giving them opportunities to create you know many opportunities uh, that they develop for their uh, their time with kids. You know, not prescribing over prescribing you know, the type of work they need to do. I mean, we have a curriculum and we have things to get to, but to really support, you know, innovation and ideas. So I think the support's huge. Uh, I mean, the engagement, I, I think a big part of it is, is a leader uh, to remember uh, that I learned and, and continue to learn is the engagement part is just about being there, showing up, listening, uh, sharing ideas, helping those that are struggling, admitting the mistakes when you make them. I found that to be huge, especially with kids too. That's huge. But uh, you're letting them know that, you know, I'm not the be all end all. I don't know everything, but, but, you know, to, to really, you know, explain to people that you're there to, uh, you know, I think we're all there to be successful and I'm there to help facilitate that, you know, as, as the building leader. Uh, and then, I mean, again, an empower is getting, so I think something I've, I felt like I did okay was with, was you know, trying to give teachers that, I don't know what the right word is, but that, that space to, to, find what they're passionate about amongst whatever it is they teach or, or whatever it is they do in the building to, to find ways that are going to keep them engaged and excited um, and, and, you know, just driven to want to learn more and do like, you know, really interesting, engaging ideas. And a lot of that doesn't come in a textbook. You know, a lot of it comes from, you know, research or opportunities to, to, uh, for professional learning things like that. So, I, so the empower idea, I think is, is uh, it, 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 there's so many different ideas, but to just remember to, um, you know, to, to be equitable in the opportunities you hand out to your staff as best you can, but, but to also, you know, be open and, and willing to listen to some ideas and, and, and try some, some new things. Uh, you know, there's a lot of really neat stuff, I think, coming down the, coming down the way here in education. And I think teachers are, or I know teachers are going to be the driving force behind it. We, we as leaders, it's got to, uh, make sure we support them and understand what they're doing, but, you know, support them. And, and, and we talked about home field earlier. It's creating that, that well mowed field, you know, with the freshly, you know, laid white lines and, uh, uh, you know, the, the nice, just wet dirt. So you have like this beautiful ball field to play on. And I think that's it. It's, uh, I, I, I think I've learned that being that servant leader, those three ideas of support, engagement, and power really drive servant leadership. And it doesn't mean that that's your only job. I mean, there's other parts of the job where you have to be the person with the, the initial voice or, or, uh, you know, a directive. But I, I think, the best thing I could recommend to building leaders, principals especially, is to, to keep that as one of your, your heavy lens of leadership that you use. Words of wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I Look, I was really excited to have you on, but I never thought it would turn into the conversation that we had. Um, so you've exceeded my expectations thank uh, you. by far. Look, um, people are going to want to get in touch with you, especially, you know, with your first five and, and the different work you're doing in your book. So what's the, what's the best way to get in contact with you? So I, I think the easiest way, because it, um, ultimately, you know, any inquiry or, or submission you put on our website, will will come to Doug or I, and we address them on a daily basis. As uh, if you go to edtomorrow.com, it's just edtomorrow.com. Uh, and you'll see once you load the website, the, you know, out of your menu options at the top, there's a, if you're interested in the first five, which I really recommend to everybody, it's totally free. There's no strings attached. We don't share your information with anybody. We aren't, uh, the only thing we'll ever ask of you outside of 
hoping that you use it is to give us some feedback once or twice a year. Uh, we do send a couple surveys out just to help us like use a better use like our their feedback to help us build you know better things for for them. Uh, what, we, what we love about that is it takes all that planning off their 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 plate because I, the, the teachers have so much on their plate right now. And, and this is so important, but we, we can't continue to pile things up on it. And, and so that's the whole idea of, of giving this. But to get the first five, you go to tomorrow, you'll see right in the menu, there's a first five option. When you click on it, it, just, it gives you some, uh, you know, a quick uh, synopsis of what it is. There's a, a YouTube video we made just explaining it. And there's a couple pictures of those nine different activities that you might see each day, but there's a, a button that says sign up here. Uh, and that'll take you to a sign up form. And once you sign up, uh, you should begin receiving it the next day at, at 7 a.m. Eastern. Um, so it's a pretty simple thing. Again, at tomorrow.com, you look for uh, the first five. And right there, there is a, uh, once you click on it, there's a couple boxes on that page that say sign up here. And if you're interested in, in uh, reaching me, uh, the best way to do it, if you want to reach me directly, is uh, through my email address. It's jwhalen, J-W-H-A-L-E-N, edtomorrow.com. Uh, again, I check it multiple times a day. I'm always up for sharing ideas or helping people out, having conversations like this even. <laughs> so that's a great way. And there's, and you can also go on our, our website and there's a place to just submit an inquiry about what we do or services we offer to support you know, buildings and, and uh, teachers. And if you submit one of those, there's an option for other and you can just you know write a quick note or something. And again, the, the website's a nice uh resource for just explaining some of the work we do and uh, like our foundations and, and what we do and who we are. Awesome. And there's information on there to get the book, although, but I got to check with the publishers, great folks at Ed 311 out of uh, Austin, Texas, but we were going to hold off on printing a new, uh, we, we did sell out of our last print of, of classroom circles about, a, about two months ago. And uh, I, I, I'm glad we talked about it today. So I, I got to get a hold of uh, my friend Ambrose, who's our, who's 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 in charge over there, and uh, see if we're going to either print out some more. My hope is to get the second edition done here. And I, I would love to by the end of the calendar year. That would be. I, I just need about. I need about two weeks of uh, after school time <laughs> to focus on it, which my wife might not be the most excited about, but she's also pushing me to get it done. So, but yeah, if you want to learn more about that too, that's under the circle session, uh, circle section, you can learn a little, a little bit more about circles and uh, there's some great video on there, but with Doug uh, leading circles uh, at Mesquite high school, massive high school outside of Dallas. And then there's some information on there about, you know, just facilitating and there's a link to the book and information about that. Perfect. Again, I, I can't thank you enough um, this has been a great conversation, and I I, uh, I look forward to staying in touch with you and, and seeing. Please, I, I would I would love that you you shared so many you, the way you uh, organize your thoughts and ideas and and I my my papers covered with just I'm gonna have to interpret <laughs> this myself later because I'm all over the place. But I really really enjoyed getting to talk to you. Uh, I think uh, we could probably talk for about six more hours just about ideas, and uh, I would really value that. So hopefully this isn't the last time we we speak, and uh, maybe next time I come up through. Uh, through the Massachusetts way on the way to visit my sister. Uh, I, I can, if, I don't know if it's anywhere near there. I can, we can uh, cross paths that way. All right. We'll see what we can do. And maybe on my next trip out to Olean, I can uh, detour a little bit. Yeah, no, it's uh, the uh, Binghamton area. The triple cities is a really, really neat. Uh, we feel an up a coming area uh, you know, after many years of trying to wade through, uh, you know, the, we were a huge manufacturing area. So I think we've, We've had a number of years of, of, of struggle here, but we're starting to see some light and we're excited about our future here. Excellent. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, 
be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.